It's Tuesday, March 26, 2019. I'm Herbie Newell, and this is the Defender Podcast, a daily encouragement to mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This daily podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm coming to you from Birmingham, Alabama. Well, I'm delighted to have Melinda and Sawyer Nell join us for the Defender Podcast. The Nells have been married for two years. Currently, they live in Marietta, Georgia, which is a as we know, a suburb of Atlanta, Georgia. Melinda actually works for our Lifeline team there in Georgia as a social worker uh, and working with families going through the adoption process. And Sawyer is a project manager for Passion Publishing, and he helps to guide resources through the editorial production and sales and marketing processes for trade books, study resources, and devotionals from the authors that have been connected to the Passion Movement, including uh, Louie and Shelley Giglio, Ben Stewart, Chris Tomlin, Pat Barrett, to name a few. The Nells attend Passion City Church, and through their church, they're able to minister to people their age and younger, and their desire to serve others and help to train up a generation that follows the call to care for the vulnerable. Melinda serves in the nursery, and Sawyer works with middle school boys, which is a a love and a gift that he and I both share, loving these middle school boys. Uh, And together, they help host a community group in their home and have a platform to advocate for vulnerable children. So, Melinda and Sawyer, uh, why don't y'all just start off, obviously that's a, that's a bio or an introduction. Tell us a little bit more about your family uh, and just a little bit more about yourselves. Sure. Um, so for me, working um, at Lifeline in Georgia has looked pretty cool because I get to have my hands in a little bit of everything. So helping plan events and also working with our Georgia families, which has been a huge, huge privilege and dream for me um, for quite a long time. So um, I'm living the dream here in Atlanta, but um, moved here originally a couple years ago and we are really loving it in Atlanta and the Marietta area and really have loved getting plugged in with our church and and our community. And then um, just really sharing about what the Lord has has put on our heart and getting engaged in orphan care in this area because we're originally from Mobile and I feel Alabama. And so I feel like I was really engaged there and knew a lot of people. And so it's really cool to come to a new place and share the passions that the Lord has put on our hearts. Yep. And um, we would be amiss to not mention our very good boy at home, Coda. So shout out Coda. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, um, we don't have any kids yet, but we do have um, one very good boy. And, and while a lot of people, you know, I think originally anytime that we maybe bring in, bring up in conversation, whether it's in our social circles, whether it's at church, whether it's even with coworkers for myself, um, the first thought that goes in there, you know, your mind, whenever you hear about, um, oh, my wife works in adoption or um, she works for a lifeline, a child services agency, you know, it's, oh, but you guys don't have kids. And I think that is where it, it immediately is able for us to spark so many incredible conversations in our um, circles, just of, of everyday life, of how people can be involved that doesn't necessarily mean that you're trying to adopt. So I think that's, you know, just, a, it's been a really cool way that just in the, in Atlanta that that's happened. Yeah. And, you know, Sawyer, even as you say that, I think, you know, I joked earlier about our love for middle school boys, but I, I really have always had a love and a fondness uh, for caring for middle school boys, mostly because it's such a foundational time and such a transitional time. Uh, for boys in general. I mean, uh, as you know, working with middle school boys, they go from just complete silliness and uh, just their heads in the 
clouds to their heads in the clouds and becoming a little bit more serious. But it's such a transitional time. And I think even as people look at working with students, working with children, maybe the hardest to, to recruit people for is middle school because it is such a tough transitional time. And really, it's such a pivotal time when it's, it's necessary that someone gets engaged. And in the same way, we need the whole body of Christ to help serve orphans and vulnerable children. And a lot of times we look at it as a select few. It's, it's difficult. It's messy. And so there's only a couple people that are really called to do this. But, but really, we know that all people are called to do something. So talk a little bit about what first led your family into stepping into this place of caring for orphans and vulnerable children. Sure. So um, for me, uh, the Lord really drew my heart to orphan care when I was about 18 um, and, and drew it to a purpose of like pursuing a career in orphan care. So that looked like social work for me. Um, but when I started really looking into it and diving into the scripture regarding orphan care, you know, I realized it's been a call on my life for my whole life and throughout my life, because it's a call to believer, believers in general, not just um, me specifically as a career, but um, but to all believers. And so it just so happened that he also called me to work in this field. But, you know, if you if you look into it, you know, whether it's James 127 or Isaiah 117, it's just a call to defend the fatherless um, for all believers. And it's a part of our faith and and acting on our faith. And so, you know, it doesn't tell us exactly what that looks like. Um, it just calls us to be obedient. So at whatever age or whatever stage of life. Um, yeah. So our, our, you know, and our obedience to the word doesn't really rely on our circumstances or our age, but just being obedient to what we see in scripture. Um, and so he gives us everything we need in every season of life to do what his word calls us to do. So it really doesn't look the same across the board for everybody. And I see it a lot, you know, even in, in the conversation, you know, as believers, as at the most basic level, you know, you always kind of see um, the people who work in quote unquote ministry. And a lot of times it can feel like those are the, you know, those are the, the ones doing it vocationally are the are the ones really working out their faith every day when really everyone whether you work in a secular environment whether you work in a ministry environment is walking out their faith every single day in some way that is your you know the way most people say that's your mission field that's your place and and just the same for all believers all believers everywhere that aren't necessarily working in in child services in some way in in adoption who don't have um their their nine to five, putting their hands to that work. We are all every day called to that purpose and called to steward whatever he's put in our hands, whether that be um, our finances, whether that be our time, um, whether that be our giftings to maybe plan events, to maybe um, come alongside families who are adopting. You know, you're, you may not be the actual ones who are purpose to actually bring a, a child home with you and, and to love that as your own child, but you're, you're called to come alongside a family that, that needs that friend in their corner. Um, or you're called to, to give financially who they just, they just need the, the gift and the means to be able to make these things happen. So I think that these, it's kind of a mindset that you, that you switch to that everywhere you go, you are caring for people just like, you know, 
whether they're an orphan, whether they're not an, whether they're not orphaned, whether they're um, the widow, you yeah, know, I mean, any vulnerable, you know, population. And like he was talking about, you know, just using our gifts. I love what First Peter four ten says, and it says each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. And so we're supposed to steward our gifts well throughout our lives. So it doesn't tell us to start using our gifts like once we're done with college or once we're married or once we have an established family. Um, and one thing I love about, you know, kind of our generation is that they're really passionate about finding what they're good at and what their giftings are, what the Lord's kind of called them to do. And, and it may not look like your typical nine to five and it may be messy or uncertain, but they're going to go after that wholeheartedly because they feel like the Lord has given them gifts to steward. And so I've just seen that be such a trend in our generation. And so if we can get that generation and that heart behind orphan care, I feel like we could have a huge, you know, ripple effect. So that's, we try to talk to as many people our age about our heart for, you know, serving the vulnerable and helping those that are on the front lines as well. Um, because we just feel like they have such a heart to just do things bigger than them, you know, and just step out of their comfort zones. And I, and I know that y'all obviously, as we said, attend Passion City Church and, uh, all of us have, have at some point collided with the mission of passion and uh, passion city uh, mm -hmm. and the, the the vision of what they have and and obviously one of the things that Louie and Shelley the Lord has called them first and foremost to student ministry but part of even their student ministry was helping students unlock this idea that they were valuable that their time was valuable and that they can make a difference for Christ in the world. And I know that that has bled into Passion City Church, which is, it doesn't matter who you are, it doesn't matter what age group you are, there's something you can do to serve the body of Christ. Talk about how just, just attending Passion City, you have seen that church body and, and really even that whole idea spread throughout the Atlanta metro area and other places as you really do see millennials and really every generation coming together to saying, hey, there's something we can do. Oh gosh. So it's honestly so cool just on a weekly basis, just the, maybe it's girls I'm serving with, you know, in the nursery that are my age or even younger college age kids that are just so fired up to do something bigger than the circumstances they're sitting in right that second. So maybe it's school or maybe it's a job, but you know, and they're, they're in that and they're doing it wholeheartedly, but they're not afraid to step out of their comfort zone and really get involved in, you know, bigger things. So I may be talking about what I do and they just like, they just light up and they get really excited about what I do and, and just caring for vulnerable children. And they ask tons of questions and they just want to know, like, how can they get involved? I'll talk about events or things that we have going on at Lifeline and oh, how can I help or what can I do? And it's just really cool to see them so motivated and so active. And I can't even like talk about all the kids I meet that are doing like incredible things on the side of school. So I know when I was in college, I was so buried down in schoolwork. And so just like, that was my focus. And I didn't do a ton outside, but gosh, these kids are just in school and they're working really hard, but then they're also like creating ministries on the side. And whether that's just their peers or doing, you know, young life or just really, really awesome things that are making such a huge difference. And I'm sure like you can speak to that too, like things that you see in, in students, even younger than college. Oh, definitely. I mean, 
And I would say for Passion City, you know, that the culture that we have that, that has been so um, intentionally created to have a, a that we may um, mentality uh, that every opportunity we have, it, it isn't a, oh, you know, I, I should really go volunteer and, you know, kind of, kind of check my volunteer hours off for the week. Um, you know, I, I, I want to go to heaven, you know, that kind of, you know, a, not, not a um, reactive response, but just a proactive. Uh, I have the opportunity. I have been, I have been given the gifts of, of health, um, of, of the ability to show up to a, to a place as the church, you know, you know, the, the little C church here at Passion City and hold the door. You know, we call our volunteers door holders, um, which is referencing in scripture where, you know, it says, I would rather be a doorkeeper to the gates of heaven uh, to a, just, just to allow others to come in, to, to make the way easy for them. Um, you know, whether it's, um, you know, for Melinda and the little babies, it is, is a, a mother, a single mother coming in, knowing I have an incredible place for my baby to go hang out mm. while I'm in the service and learn about Jesus while I'm meeting with Jesus. And a lot and, of the girls, the people that I serve with are my age or younger, and they're just so giving of their time, you know, for younger kids and for families at their age, you know, when they've got, you think about what all the things they have going on and all the uncertainties in their life, but they show up and they're committed to this, you know, every yeah. single Sunday for hours, you know. And whenever you create that culture, the goal is not for that culture to be created so that it best serves our house here. The, the ultimate goal and, and what we've seen be the, um, the product of it is, is that culture getting in the people's hearts, the hearts of our house, and, and then spreading outwardly. So that they're not just holding the yeah. doors open for Passion City Church, but they're holding the door open to their own home, or they're holding the door open to a, to their own um, circle, to the to the people at work, to the people that they're meeting anywhere. It, it creates this incredible um, eyes up mentality, and to where you just have this um, your visibility to everything around you is increased, and the and the needs all around you all the time, and yeah. that has been, gosh, just honestly, my I come along into this story because of Melinda, because of our paths crossing. Yeah. Um, and that kind of opening my eyes, me lifting my head up to these needs all over, all around me um, for vulnerable children, for, mm -hmm. for guys who maybe are showing up to my middle school small group every week or not. Um, the need that they have to really be shown how much their perfect father in heaven loves them, whether they have a father or, uh, or a mother on earth or not. Yeah. And that's what's just an incredible opportunity that we have to really walk in that, you know, the, that we may mentality. Well, and, and, and I think that even just flows into us thinking about orphan care and adoption and foster care and just getting involved that so many times people do think, well, uh, I'll adopt or I'll get engaged or I'll do something when I have the right job or when I get a little bit older or when, you know, our marriage is a little bit more, um, firm and sustained and, and we've got everything going and you know for so many of us down the road you realize that we never have it all together uh, there's there's not a time that you wake up and you go you know what I got it all together today I think I'm going to do something unfortunately because of this thing called sin and what even one of the things that it brings it, it, nature is in this scientific process of entropy everything is working towards decay um, there's never a perfect time. So using kind of that passion city model of everybody can do something now to serve the body of Christ, 
why do you think it's so important for people to say, okay, now's the time that we can get engaged with orphan care? Now, it may not be the same thing we'll do in 10 years, but we can do something today. And I guess with that, what are the, some of those practical things that those millennials can start to do today to get engaged with orphan care? Yeah, so um, kind of like what I was saying earlier, like whenever I felt that that call on my heart, you know, as a teenager and a college student, but then when I started looking into it, aside from it being a career, I realized like, oh, this is a calling for every single believer. It's just part of our faith to care for um, the orphan and the widow. You know, that's clearly laid out in scripture. And it doesn't have an age requirement. And so um, for us right now, that looks like, you know, kind of plugging it with Lifeline in the different events that we have. But you know, for us, it'll change as well as our family does. And so we'll just kind of continue to follow the Lord's lead on how we should approach anything in our life as well as orphan care. So I feel like that's a great place to start is just knowing it's going to be an evolving thing. You know, you'll just always be staying consistent and persistent in prayer to see, Lord, what does it look like today and in this season of my life for me to to have a role in orphan care? So I think for um, millennials, and even I'll speak to the generation right below us, so like the college age, college students now, um, I think the first thing to do is just to educate yourself. So whether that is becoming aware of positive adoption language or the needs of the fatherless here and around the world, um, and then also ways to, practical ways to get involved. But when you're, you know, if you don't know anything about the need, you definitely won't know how to get involved. And so I'm talking to people every day and they're so shocked by the things I'm saying, but I forget because I'm in it every day, but it's really cool to see. And like, just, that's a really easy thing to do is just educate yourself and then be able to educate people around you when they have questions. Um, and then Lifeline offers um, really amazing things and ways to get involved, like the run for one every year, um, our annual 5k or helping with, you know, our annual donor dinner or stand for orphans, um, or, you know, giving to unadopted. So when I learned about Lifeline originally, I was in South Alabama and I signed up for the 5K. And I mean, I am by no means a runner and I may have come in last place, but <laughs> I did give up my time and my resources. And then I was able to share it on social media and share it with my friends and family. Like, look at this cool thing I did today on a Saturday, you know, mm. and, um, and why I did that and the heart behind it. And then some of my family ended up giving to the ministry of lifeline because I ran the 5k and just talked about it. And so that is something that, I mean, anybody of any age can do. And, um, I know that millennials love social media or maybe not me, but a lot of them do. And so they, that's something you can easily do is just share things, whether it's some, a lifeline post about, um, either our programs or our initiatives or, um, waiting children or whether that looks like sharing about a family's adoption fundraiser and helping them in that way. You know, it takes a minute to just share something on Facebook or Instagram, or you just never know who that will reach on in your set of, of influence in your people. Um, and then I don't, I don't think a lot of people know or notice this about millennials, but just from like being around our peers and, and getting engaged with them on social media, they're so generous. Like, I mean, you know, whether it's like just sending their friends money on Venmo because they're having a bad day or they just want to brighten their day or whether it's giving to mission trips or fundraisers or helping people with their businesses. You know, I know a lot of people my age that are starting these businesses as they feel really called to it. And so they've 
dropped what they thought was, you know, the path for their life and started businesses. And then people just rallying around them that are our age that may not have a ton of resources at this point in our life, you know, but just really pouring into other people. And so I just think that that's a, that's a really cool way that millennials can get involved. And I was just at a conference a couple of weekends ago where there was just table after table of small businesses, whether it was apparel or jewelry or bath products and every single thing gave back to orphan care in some way, whether it was um, food or clothing or education. And so shopping with a purpose is also something that millennials can definitely get behind. Um, and I think you can probably speak to just the generosity of this generation that I think yeah. is just somewhat underrated, I think. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's something we touched on a bit ago is, is just this innate desire for everyone, not just millennials, but to be a part of something bigger than yourself. Mm-hmm. And for people who, who um, you know, outside of faith, that they want to be a part of something that's bigger than themselves. For people in faith, they want to. And that longing is able to be met in a lot of ways because of the increased um, exposure that social media brings. It's, it's very easy to say, hey, heard you were having a bad day, saw your story. Hey, here's a quick $5. Go grab Starbucks on me. There's those sorts of things that are able to happen. But I think that's what's, what's so important that I learned um, through exposure that, that was brought on just by being married to Melinda and, and all that that brings through our conversations or the, or the different events is that so often we see our involvement in, in any nonprofit environment, especially this, as, well, I just I don't have money to give right now, as being purely monetary. And a lot of times, myself uh, in college, as a young adult, I feel like the vulnerable child. I feel like I'm the one who may need the <laughs> donations, and am not in a place to do that. But it's so important to to shift our thinking towards really seeing that we have way more to leverage than our finances. Mm-hmm. We have so many uh, talents, so many so many specific wirings that make us incredible at certain things. Maybe it's just an incredible um, people person. You love making people smile. Whether maybe it's uh, you're an incredible photographer. Hey, go volunteer for one of these events and get and give them the opportunity to have some unbelievable high quality photographs for um, their websites that just look really sharp for completely free. You haven't you haven't had to do anything except for give your time and your talents. So I think there are, are ways that all of us can very easily identify in ourselves gifts and and expertise or talents or just our time that we have available to steward towards these kids it it may not even feel like you're doing it directly but you are and that's what i have been able just the events we've gone to um that i've been able to go with her chinese new year run for one things that i really in the back of my head thought i'm going because i'm her because i'm her husband but i don't really know how i'm going to be really of any help here showing up early and every single time it has been it has blown me away not because i was just so needed but because I needed to, to, to have my eyes lifted so badly. And those opportunities did that to, to really allow me to, to see people that then flowed out of that. And just very tangibly, I can tell you, I mean, I've had probably 20 plus people each of those times after I've maybe posted something on an Instagram story or um, someone just asked what I'm up to. Oh, I'm at this uh, Chinese New Year. Oh, what's that? A quick little this is what it is. Whoa. Uh-huh. Had no idea that that was even a thing Yeah. because that isn't something that's just normally on the radar. So that then immediately broadens the, broadens that, that sphere of influence that um, you're able to have, which is really, really awesome. 
And like for like just some examples, like for him, when I was planning, you know, our run in Atlanta, I mean, I'm a little bit directionally challenged. So he helped me, you know, like, you know, social worker over here, like I'm not, I'm just challenged. So anyways, he helped me map the run or for the donor dinner, he ran some technology because I don't really care for that either. And so it's these behind the scenes things that, I mean, we need to make these things happen. And, and the greater picture is caring for vulnerable children or caring for the families that are on the front lines or whatever it may be. But, you know, dear, we all have our gifts that, that the Lord has given us. And so how can we use that? And I think that, you know, just plugging in with Lifeline and just learning about what's happening happening in our city um, and just making yourself available for those events and for those happenings, just, just to show up and commit to it and just have more of just a servant's heart, you know, not necessarily knowing exactly how you'll be used, but letting the Lord just lead you in that. Um, And so, and then another thing I think we can do or millennials can do is just think of families that they know that are or have adopted um, and so just being that extra set of hands for them. Um, I know a lot of people my age or younger, you know, they really have a passion for kids, you know, whether it's, you know, nursery age or just kids in elementary school and they're middle really, school. yeah, middle <laughs> school, they're really good with kids. And so, man, offering, just working with families, I know just the offer of an extra hand, whether that looks like you know, coming over and letting them enjoy a date night, or if there's a doctor's appointment, maybe, and mom has to go alone, maybe going with mom and helping out with the kids or keeping some of the kids at home or driving to practices, whatever it is, like lending that helping hand for the ones who have, you know, that have brought in kids into their home, um, because maybe you're not at that stage yet. Um, And then another thing is just really just talking about it is one of the easiest things that people can do. So once you're once you're kind of educated and are able to talk a little bit more about it, just, I mean, it just has honestly come up for me naturally, not even because of what I do, but I feel like every Sunday I end up talking about orphan care just as I serve with people in the church. And it just comes up naturally. I feel like if you're in a large social group or a community group or whatever it is, somebody's been touched by adoption at some point or another. And so that can be the start of a great conversation and pull in other people that, um, maybe you're just unaware of the need. And so you just never know like what that ripple effect can have. And if we had millennials encouraging other people by their involvement in orphan care, that it doesn't look like adoption, like how many other people would join, you know, and just because it's like that freedom to know, like I can talk about orphan care without like committing to bringing a child into my home. I think a lot of people shut down when they hear orphan care because they're like, oh, well, we can't adopt or we can't foster or whatever the case is, but that it's not always going to look like that. And um, I think if we have a lot of millennials just out there talking about that and um, taking the pressure off, I think, and having teens or 20 year olds really stepping up and saying, no, that's not the only way. And here are some opportunities that we can point you towards or things I've been involved in that have really blessed me. Um, it could have like a really huge ripple effect. Um, and I think lastly, I would just say like prayer. So once, you know, once you get involved and once you see what's going on in this world of just caring for vulnerable children and defending the fatherless, you know, praying for those people on the front lines, like, long-term missionaries and adoptive and foster parents, counselors, um, churches that are really leading the charge. Um, 
just praying for their perseverance and their discernment and their peace through whatever these processes look like. Um, and that they would just be able to draw near to the Lord as he guides their steps. And so I think that's one of the most powerful things that millennials who, you know, can't necessarily bring a child into their home that they can do. Well, amen. And guys, uh, even as y'all have just spoken and, and the Lord has given you these words, I'm, I'm reminded of the parable of uh, the, the gifts and the, 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 the landlord comes and he invests these gifts in his servants. And to one, he gives 10, to one, he gives five, and to one, he gives one. And uh, at the end of the parable, Jesus comes back and tells the one who had buried it, you know, even if you had invested it. And so for those of you that are listening today to the Fender podcast, you may think, I, I, all I have is one talent. Uh, what am I to do with this one talent? There are people who have 10 talents. There are people that have five talents. There are people that are older and more established. There are people that maybe have a better job or a better career or more influence or, or quote unquote, even more power. Uh, hopefully you will listen to the wisdom of Melinda and Sawyer and, and know that we have all been given a talent by the Lord to be used for his kingdom. And there is something you can do today, no matter if you're a stay-at-home mom or if you're the CEO of a, of a Fortune 500 company, there is something that you can do to use your influence, your time, your talent, and your gifts to care for the fatherless. So today, if you're a millennial, we need advocacy, just like Melinda has said and Sawyer has said, we need folks to advocate on behalf of the fatherless. How will others get engaged if they do not know? Uh, I love what, what Isaiah says, and then it is quoted in the Gospels. How will they know if someone does not preach to them? And how will they preach if someone has not sent them? And how will they be sent if someone has not prayed? So there are so, so many things that we can do to get engaged on behalf of the fatherless. Well, Melinda and Sawyer, thank you so much for joining us. And we are grateful for the ways that, that y'all serve both through Lifeline, through Passion City, and in your city for the cause of Christ and for the cause of the fatherless. Yeah, thanks so much for having us. Thanks so much. Well, don't forget to rate us on your favorite podcast listening app, be that the iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you listen to podcasts. And also, if you would like to hear more interviews like this one or others, please let us know at info at lifelinechild.org. But know that your rating and your responses help us so much in getting the best content out for the Defender Podcast. Well, thanks for listening to the Defender Podcast. For more information or to connect with me, please visit HerbieNewell.com. To partner with Lifeline, visit LifelineChild.org. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at LifelineChild.org. Beloved, will you allow God to use the gospel to you to impact the life of a child? Please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. We'll see you again tomorrow with the Defender Podcast.